0: You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported.
1: Scott, everyone likes revisionist history, right?
0: No, not really.
1: How about a sympathetic portrait of de Deville, you know, the puppy killer?
0: I have some notes.
2: Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies as suggested by you most of the time. Sometimes it's suggested by the convenient randomness of numbers lining up and opportunities striking. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And for our 101st movie fix... Uh, following our, our successful uh, Batman uh, 100 movie fix episode, we were like, we should do Cruella, yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Cruella, the 101 Dalmatians thing? Yeah. So for our 101 movie fix, we're here with Cruella. And I'm glad we did. This one, uh, a, a real um, Dark Horse uh, contender for for one of my favorite we've done on this podcast. Yeah, I honestly had a pretty good time watching it. I'm not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> so much so that I'm not sure I've spent a ton of time thinking about uh the things that I want to revamp. But uh yeah, it was it was a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. I will confess that in a vacuum it's a pretty fun movie. Um, but it is fundamentally flawed, and that actually diminishes my enjoyment of it. So
1: <laughs> as a as a prequel, you mean?
0: Yes, and it is specifically because it is explicitly positioned as a prequel to 101 Dalmatians. And in that regard and that regard alone, it fails. Like it falls flat on its face and scrapes across the pavement all the way down the block. And, and that, and that actually diminishes my enjoyment of the film. But again, in a vacuum, kind of fun. And I will admit there was a lot about it that I quite enjoyed. In spite of the fundamental flaw with the
1: movie. So, so if you're a big 101 Nations stan, then not yeah. the movie for you.
0: No, probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I must confess that I have not seen 101 Nations either version, either, uh, not the uh, live yeah. action or the animated. I'm, I'm sure I've seen, seen pieces of it, but... Yeah.
2: Hmm? Have you seen the episode of The Simpsons? Where yes. Mr. Burns, okay, yes. then you've seen 101 <laughs> Dalmatians, more or less. Yeah, <laughs> it is beat for beat. It's just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although yeah, I've the, definitely uh, picked
1: up what the story is through the cultural zeitgeist.
0: Yeah. Though, yeah. admittedly, the Disney version does not have "See My Vest," which is yeah, one of Still, the great it, non-Disney musical numbers ever to parody Disney.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. What's great about that too? It took me years to realize the irony of it's like oh, it's it's a Disney song from they're clear they're doing a whole plot of a disney movie they're gonna sing a disney song but it's not from the movie they're yeah that irony was lost on me as a kid i was just like oh yeah that other song (laughs) classic episode we should do the simpsons movie oh god
1: (laughs) (laughs) i did not like the simpsons movie so it's definitely it's definitely something
2: we could do uh, but we digress. Of course, uh, Cruella came out in 2021, directed by Craig Gillespie uh, of I Tonya fame, which completely tracks. Uh, I love that tidbit, <laughs> Greg. Thank you for finding that. Um, uh, written by Dana Fox, Tony McNamara, uh, Aline Broche McKenna uh, of Devil Wears Prada
0: fame. Which you which can definitely see that DNA. Jokes. Yeah, you can see that DNA in this film.
2: In both, in really in both, which is kind of kind of cool. Like in Itanya and *Devil's Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, of course, starring Emma Stone as Cruella, Emma Thompson as the Baroness. The, the Emmas. <laughs> uh, Joel Fry as Jasper, Paul Walter Hauser as Horace, uh, John McRae as Artie, and Mark Strong. Welcome back, Mister Strong. Uh, we, <laughs> it's haven't seen you since *Kingsman 2*, and <laughs> you're in this movie also
0: uh, as John the Valet. Mark Strong is great in every movie I've ever seen him in. It doesn't matter the quality of the film. He's just a great character actor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's how I feel about this Joel Fry guy. That was, uh, he's in, he's in um, Our Flag Means Death. He's one of the more endearing characters in that yep. show full of endearing characters. <laughs> uh, and as soon as he popped up in this, I was like, oh, is, okay. Okay. <laughs> now we're in for a treat.
0: Yeah.
1: How about Emma Thompson's performance in this? Holy shit. Is it
0: good? Yeah, yeah, she I, commits to it. Yeah. I would actually say both of the Emmas are giving – are like 100% on board for this film and mm-hmm. act, act absolutely just knock it out of the park. Both fantastic performances. And it like shows. It's not even just they're
2: fantastic. They seem to be having fun with it. They're, nobody seem, here seems to be just like cashing a Disney paycheck. Like everyone's like, oh, we got the cool Disney project. There's some idiots, you know, t- two studios over making – Live action Dumbo, and we get to like <laughs> 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 we get to do this. We get to put on fabulous costumes and listen to uh seventies uh, and eighties punk music. Um, yeah, everyone's having fun here. It's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Just she uh, Emma Thompson. Uh, I mean, the as a as a villain, she was brilliant and just like every every little tick about her performance felt so controlled and deliberate uh, i was in awe of every time she was on screen I and mean, it was just anytime the both of them were on screen like that you could really uh feel the tension uh between them throughout it was just yeah just a uh, wonderful interaction between them
2: uh it was yeah um i even just appreciated the, no i don't appreciate it's the right word but like Uh, Emma Thompson sure does like to do movies where the camera lingers directly on her face as she (laughs) monologues passionately because that (laughs) last scene at the end where she's talking to the fountain um, had big um, that song at the end of uh, La La Land where it's just her face singing straight at the camera.
0: Oh, you mean Emma Stone? Did I say Emma Thompson? You said Emma Thompson. There's two Emmas. It's fine. Yeah, there's two two Emmas in this
2: movie. As long as it wasn't someone who's not in this movie. I'd I'd tell us to cut and take it again if it was someone who's not. (laughs) Jean-Claude Van Damme just loves to cry and sing to the camera. Oh, sorry, Emma Stone. I always get them
0: confused. He does. It just always ends up on the cutting room floor.
2: Yeah. Now, now,
1: <laughs> JCBD as Cruella is a movie I would watch a hundred times.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has to sing the song though. Uh, speaking of the song, let's go to the trailer. From the very beginning, I realized I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people, but I wasn't for everyone. I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. <laughs> sorry now. But a new day brings new opportunities. Sorry now. And I was ready to make a statement. How does the saying go? I am woman. Hear me roll.
0: Estella is a child with a mean streak. Catherine, her mother, tries desperately to contain this Cruella side, but Estella routinely gets herself into mayhem and gets expelled from school. Seeking a new start, the two hit the road, making a stop at a mysterious mansion, where Estella witnesses her mother get killed by vicious Dalmatians. Surely that won't affect her in the future. Now orphaned, Estella survives as a thief with her accomplices, Jasper and Horace. When the two surprise Estella with an opportunity to pursue her dream career in the fashion industry, her life and the mystery of her mother's death begin to unravel. Fortunately, her Cruella persona is there to pick up the pieces and take on an even more monstrous psychopath so we can sympathize with her. Yeah,
1: that's really the the key to the whole thing, making sure that it works, is like the villain needs to be way worse than cruella herself in order to, in order for us to be like ah, all right i'll cheer for cruella the the puppy killer
0: yeah i mean that has to be baked into the premise it it also is Amusing to me that the movie bent over backwards to be like, no, look, see, Corella DeVille is actually a dog person too. Like she rescues a puppy when she's a kid and raises it. She uh Jasper and Horace have an adorable dog sidekick who's kind of in on all their heists. Um, and it just really it really goes out of its way to be like, but she really likes dogs, guys. You see.
2: Fair. That very well, that is the cynical take, and you, I, I appreciate that for once I am not the one coming in with the scalding cynical take. Is it that it's also a 101 Dalmatians adjacent film? One might expect to see some dogs, so they added a rich cast of different dogs to accompany a movie that you just expect. It, you know what I mean? Like
0: I would agree with you if the dogs could talk, and bear with me on that statement. <laughs> If the movie was from the dog's perspective, I'd buy that. But it's not. It's from her perspective. Um, because 101 Dalmatians is the story of the dogs. And I think that's something that Disney has kind of lost perspective of ever since the live-action adapt- adaptation with Glenn Close playing Cruella de Vil is that they've more and more focused on Cruella and less and less on the dogs. And that is weird to me because, again, it's the story of the dogs. Cruella's set dressing to that. Um, and and it's it's a weird it's a weird fascination with a character who's really kind of one beat in the original story as well. Um yeah, so i i don't know. I think I think it really was a cynical attempt to make us empathize with her more and soften her to us and less that they were trying to just add more dogs to make it dog adjacent.
1: Yeah, That's well, funny. i think given like the the villains a known history like it's i think it's important to like try right off the hop to make her as sympathetic as as possible Uh, and, and, and and i'm not sure that you can really get away with doing it without addressing
0: yeah the whole puppy murder thing yeah yeah
1: so like so i mean that's what you that's what you kind of do is like right off the bat it's like well she used to like dogs something changed and and you know like obviously with the the dogs attacking her you kind of like okay i see what they're i see what they're doing
2: right
0: but yeah
1: Um, i mean it was
2: that or make her good at pod racing like there's really only two (laughs) ways to
0: (laughs) show her as a little kid have her hop into a pod racer and go, yippee! Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah, that was... Okay, so Darth Vader, Cruella DeVille, villains of film. Um, uh, uh, when this movie came out, I even had the knee-jerk reaction of like, why would you want to watch a movie about the puppy-killing lady? What? No, it doesn't... T-. And a lot of people, that was like the main, the main take when this trailer dropped or when this film came out. And having watched it, the more I think about it, I'm like... I think it's sort of like a not a, f- like, I don't want to say like lazy, but I, I'll say lazy because I had it too. It was my, my knee-jerk reaction when I saw the trailer, because um, there's lots of great movies about reprehensible people, right? Like A Clockwork Orange, American Psycho, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, like, uh, the fact that this is the Itanya, they got the Itanya guy to come do this, um, so I, I, I just want to, right off the hop, to, to suggest that this movie shouldn't exist simply because she's bad go watch There Will Be Blood and then come back and talk to me.
0: (laughs) I I disagree with you, but I disagree with you for a specific point. Uh, Number one, I'm going to take The Grinch out of your list because The Grinch is a terrible person in a redemption story. His heart grows
2: three sizes, yes.
0: He is is like Scrooge. He is a villain who has a redemption story. Um, With the other ones, though, those are movies where we're shown terrible people and we're not expected to root for them. We're explicitly not supposed to root for them. We're supposed to kind of marvel in how depraved and terrible they are. This movie really is about making us root for Cruella de Vil. And that is why it is so apart from those kinds of films. This isn't Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. This is someone being presented to us as a hero taking down a villain. And it kind of undercuts the argument that this is a a, uh, a villain protagonist story in that sense. Because she's she's really presented in a mostly favorable and heroic light through the film. Even when she's kind of a jerk, she apologizes for it later on. Like, Definitely, yeah,
2: I mean, I guess I guess that just means like you're um, no hang on. Yeah, I, I
0: suppose <laughs> Like, I see. I see where you're coming from, and I yeah. absolutely agree. There is a place in the popular culture and in art to see terrible people doing terrible things and kind of enjoy that. But I disagree that this is one of those movies because its presentation is so completely apart from that. Yeah. I
1: think, uh, I think I more or less agree with, with Scott that it, you know, that's, it's the part of the movie that feels, that feels somewhat funny to me, but like, that's, you know, it's only, it's only because I know the history of the character. Um, uh, in the in the movie, it works fine. Like if the if the like we said earlier, like if the movie existed in a vacuum, no problem. A um, part of what I liked about how the film was structured um, is that the, um, especially um, the character of Jasper is is sort of um, the audience stand-in for mm-hmm. being uncomfortable with Cruella, and I think that I think what the but the film accomplished well was, was maintaining that uncomfortableness throughout most of the film. Like obviously early on yeah. Jasper is not, is, is friends with her and then his friend goes bad. And then even as you get into the climax and stuff like that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a scene um, just before they go out and, and execute their plan in the final climax where, um, you know, uh, Estella now is sitting on the uh, on the couch having uh, just talking with Jasper having just sort of like come out of her cruelness, right and um, they're talking she, you know she's sort of apologizing to him and then she makes, then she cracks she cracks a joke about um, uh, killing the the Baroness or whatever, so, like, there's still, like, this lilt of, like, evil in there, and Mm -hmm. you can see, like, Jasper's, like, kind of uncomfortable with it, but he's still, he's still, like, well, she apologized, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to assume that my friend is not a psychopath, or whatever, right?
2: Yeah, and, and with, I I completely agree, I, I think you've, you've helped bring into focus more of what his job is in the movie, is, like, we know how this ends, we know she ends up building the Death Star, right, so... Um, cutting back to some guy go, like tugging on his collar going, yes, technically, this seems like a good idea now. Like fuck the Baroness today. This seems fun and cool in the moment. I can, I'm looking forward. I can see where this is going and I don't like it. Um, which is, yeah, I think, and because they never stop cutting away to him doing that. Um, I think is how they get away with having the fun of us rooting for her while still acknowledging the end result is is um, one, one hair shy of a coat of puppies.
0: I agree with that, but at the same time, there's a scene just before, just before they go to uh, the Baroness's ball, where they're up on the balcony, and they get square with one another. And for the rest of the movie, right up until the finale... They're just square. They're on the same page again. And there's no more of that. And so that's why it feels like the movie kind of copped out in the last minute on it. Like they had him there as the person who was like, I'm not super comfortable with this. But he was super comfortable with it by the end of the movie uh, is certainly the way it's presented. And that is and, and that feels like they kind of they kind of copped out at the end a little bit. They, they forgave her because he forgave her.
1: I don't, I, yeah, I just don't know about that because of the grave scene, which I, th- I thought was really quite smart that, mm-hmm. you know, cause you get this, cause you know, the, at the end of the movie, um, uh, Cruella tricks the Baroness into shoving her off the, uh, uh the, cliff, yeah. the cliff, right. And it's established that everyone thinks that Estella has died so they have this funeral for Estella even though Corella is obviously still alive and she's going to live as in that persona um so i think that that was i i, I like that bit because it you know it, it, it gave both Jasper and Horace like an opportunity to say goodbye to the uh estella character or the uh, the person that they knew and now they're going to go work for Cruella and like the, the end of that, the ending sequence is them moving into the mansion yeah, and this sort of like foreboding scene where you kind of like, you can feel sort of the uneasiness of all the characters except for Artie who's kind of like along for the ride. He's just kind of enjoying itself. But I think even to a certain extent, Mark Strong is playing that sort of like uneasiness because like he's worked for a villain his entire life and, and now you can kind of get a sense of like it's a lateral move, and, and I, I acknowledge Scott that this is all just like subtext that I'm pulling out of it. Um, so it's not out and out, it's not obvious necessarily, but like that's what I felt. Like I, I, yeah, you know, and I, I don't necessarily think your your point is is invalid in any any way. Like you, you, you know, they Cruella definitely is treated as the hero of the story. There's there's no way I can object to that. Like and like. Yeah, if, and, and knowing what the character's supposed to go on and do, it, does that feel icky? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't deny that.
0: Can I tell you what my what my feeling is about the fundamental problem with this movie, or do you want me to save yeah, that yeah, for the second part? Please, because... and
2: then we'll we'll talk about how fun the costumes are after. Okay, so, yeah,
0: hit me. the The fundamental flaw with this movie, in my opinion, is. That it has a complete misunderstanding of the character of Cruella Deville, <laughs> and that completely undercuts it, um, because Cruella Deville in One Hundred One Dalmatians is a, is the grown up Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She is a spoiled rich socialite who has always gotten her way and can't handle being told no. And she completely unravels over the course of the story because she can't get her way. And she doesn't care who or what she has to hurt to get her way. What she wants is Dalmatian skin coats. She's going to get them. And she's she destroys herself and the people around her trying to get them. And... This movie fails to understand that number 1 by giving her this poor backstory so she's not a rich socialite anymore at least to start. She's dealt with being told no again and again and again and again throughout her life and it it fundamentally misunderstands that part of her. She is she is a cruel devil because she's always been this spoiled Monstrous person, and that's <laughs> reflected in the in the original story, in the original movie, certainly. When uh, she has her interaction with Anita Darling, uh, and Anita makes it very clear Cruella's always been like this, and so the fact that they've given her this much more complex backstory with this rags to riches kind of history, it completely undercuts that, and that's why. As a prequel, I feel like it fails because it misunderstands who Cruella is in a really deep and fundamental level.
2: I, I I almost would have been inclined to disagree with you, but I think there's one thing you said in there. I'm like, okay, that actually I see where you're coming from. And that was the like, sh- we watch her in this movie get told no a bunch. Yeah. And she learns to overcome it. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, the I guess in the cartoon, it's it's clearly someone who's never been told no, and and
0: completely unravels because of it. Yeah. Um, in a way that I don't think this Cruella would, and that's why I feel like it doesn't work as a prequel to 101 Dalmatians. Which, again, is a shame because in a vacuum, I do agree with you guys. It is a fun movie. <laughs> I, I can't. It's frankly, I feel like pretty sound logic. I can't. I can't
2: argue with it. I see. I see what you're what you're saying there. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I can't I can't see her from going from like the end of this film to like sort of like Charles Foster caning it into (laughs) Cruella DeVille, you know,
0: (laughs) I I will say that this does tie into my fix. We'll we'll get into that later. But um, and I have I have an interesting fix for this movie. We'll put it that way. Love it. Um, One other thing that I don't like about this movie is how it shoehorns in Roger. He really doesn't need to be there. He could be lifted out completely. With, yeah, that and you was, wouldn't that lose was anything. Clunky. And the fact that it, the movie ends with number one, him writing the Cruella DeVille song years ahead of when he's supposed to. And number two, with Cruella gifting Roger and Anita Pongo and Perdita, which means that they were both puppies of Genghis's, which means that Pongo and Perdita are brother and sister who go on to have 15 puppies together. So those puppies were very purebred Dalmatian puppies. And I hate it thank you <laughs> i hate it i hate it so bad i would it's... even be okay with her gifting anita perdita but mm. she should not have number one she has no reason to gift roger anything she met him like once yeah, <laughs> and he's a dope she has no reason to give him a puppy um and then pongo could just be a puppy he got completely independently of this and it wouldn't mm. have been an issue yeah th- that's fair
1: well, let me tell you about how dog breeding works, Scott. Because I no, think no, I'm, you're going to be aware. disappointed. <laughs> I'm aware. That, I'm
0: aware that's the case. But here's the thing: this is we're we've already discussed. We're we're playing in the 101 Dalmatians fantasy world, which means these yeah. dogs are self-aware, very smart, and can communicate with one another. And so the <laughs> the, the dogs the dogs are people. Like that's the premise of 101 Dalmatians. And it's, so,
1: a it's a good point. <laughs>
0: And so the, the two of A uh, brother and sister getting together <laughs> doesn't no track.
2: In, at no point in the movie was I saw those Dalmatians and was like, "Yeah, these dogs, kids can talk."
0: <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, and that's Ugh. and that's another reason why it fails as a 101. Well, well, Dalmatians I, I guess prequel. that begs okay, the question: Is this for later. actually
1: part of the Dalmatians cinematic universe? In that case, right? Because the dogs don't talk.
2: I mean, they're very. Um, smart. I'm going to say it now. <laughs> one of my notes: I think the dogs should have talked. If all the do- so the three. Asshole Dalmatians. Um, Buddy and Wink and any other dogs they meet, if they all just had quippy one liners, hell that's like a punch a punch up writer's dream. Because the whole most punch up in Hollywood, as we know from the Pat Noswell bit, is trying to write funny <laughs> jokes with <laughs> an characters that have <laughs> yeah. like where there's not a character's mouth moving. You got a bunch of dogs running around and
0: you can- just have them yeah, you, yeah, and you look who's talking to it. The yeah. the humans don't hear the dogs talking. The tog, the dogs just have little asides to one another like these guys are dumb, right? Like
1: I yeah, I mean it would have been a very different movie. As soon as as soon as the dogs talk, it's very different. different <laughs> <laughs> um, and I you know, it almost it, it almost makes it even tougher to uh, hand wave away Cruella's eventual dog killing nature because like like suddenly um the dogs are anthropomorphized and, and have and have souls and like are much more
0: Here's relatable. I, mean. I, I do think to a certain extent the dogs are a little anthropomorphized in this movie because uh, Horace's dog in particular is very smart and has mm-hmm. a big personality in the film. And so I think they were kind of tiptoeing up to that, but they didn't go far enough. These these dogs to me, <laughs> no, I'm serious. These dogs I to know. me don't track with the dogs from 101 Dalmatians. They don't have that <laughs> level of cunning. They don't the I don't see these dogs being able to enact a heist by themselves to steal back puppies from Cruella Deville. We'll put it that way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I I just I'm just so amused and tickled by Scott. Insisting that like this has got to track with the Dalmatians universe,
0: like I love this. But no, the reason I'm, the reason it has to though is because it is explicitly, it, it is explicitly yeah. being positioned as the prequel to that story. And so, if you if you're saying it continues into that story, it does have to track, and it doesn't. That's I
2: I don't want to be near the blast radius of your brain when you watch the Buzz Lightyear movie. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. that does not i can't see how those would one-to-one with toy yeah story. how those would
1: actually yeah. connect they, to
2: one another. they don't one-to-one
0: with toy story because it is the movie that the toy is they based on yeah. um love it i love it well, how- so you're
1: saying we're watching we're going to be going to the theaters watching an in-fiction movie of <laughs> yes. buzz Lightyear?
2: Yeah, okay
0: yeah <laughs> that's exactly that's what they've been saying it is yeah oh yeah okay yeah. They they positioned it as it's the movie that Andy saw that was his Star Wars and made him fall in love with the character. And that's why he bought the toy. Right. Okay.
1: Fair enough, Pixar. I'll I'll let you have it. I will allow it. <laughs> Mostly because I want Taika Waititi's in it and I, I want to see Taika Waititi in, in a Pixar movie. I think that's going to be great.
0: But we are veering way off topic, way off which if anything uh, is a good sign that maybe we should uh, start getting ready for our fixes.
2: Uh, yes, but i I just want to quickly talk about some of the things we we like cuts and keeps um oh, sure. because on one hand, I loved the soundtrack to this movie. on the other hand, uh uh there're too many too many songs they're good <laughs> like they're one all too many picks. needle drops way too many needle drops in this flick the ones that they like the the songs they pick are are fun and and suit the the tone, but they're like they go for that needle drop style way too many times. Yeah. It's fair.
1: Using this, I don't, I don't love it when it's used as essentially used as score. I don't know. It's um, it it sometimes it takes me out of the movie a little bit too much. It's not obviously as egregious as say a Suicide Squad or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, it's 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 used mostly effectively. Um, it got on my nerves slightly.
0: That's what I would say about it. Uh. Liam had earlier kind of mentioned something that we glazed over, which is the costuming, the production design in the movie is really good. Yeah,
2: the gar. I even I was like with the garbage costume one. I was like, <gasps> gasp, That's <laughs> what a fun idea." Uh, the gar- I, I I truly loved the the garbage dress.
1: I think through a combination of um, the costuming, um, the actors' performances, and and the cinematography. Uh, they kind of really nailed the sort of translation of uh, Disney animation to uh, live action. I was I'm thinking specifically of the gentleman who was playing the, the stuffy um, clothier manager um, at the beginning. Like he he had he had the look and the mannerisms down of like just about any stuffy prince in the Disney universe, you know, like, yeah, in like-, an anim- like just yeah. And I, I, I don't know, it's just like the way, the way every, uh, the way everything was sort of like, I, I keep saying it's like controlled and tight and like, it just, it just felt like it was, it, there was so much deliberate so uh, everyone was using Clear vision. Have, yeah. And a lot of, d- uh, deliberates in the, in the, uh, in the yeah. performances themselves. So yeah. Um, I really like it, it did feel like it belonged in,
2: uh, as adjacent to the animation. Yeah. Or it just had style. Like it just had like it seemed like a movie where, you know, the the production design team and probably the I hate to say it, the marketing and the branding team were just like, much like the actors, like knew they got they got the fun project. They they're not having to make some other Disney nonsense. They're working yeah. on the cool one, and it shows. Like it it really, it's a it's a stylish stylish movie. So now let's go hear from our friends at
0: the Alberta Podcast Network. <laughs> This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca.
1: With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Power shout-out to Your Forest. Your Forest is a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all things wild. Find your forest wherever you get your podcast or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's yourforestpodcast.com.
2: Welcome back to I Have Some Notes for our 101st movie fix. We chose Cruella. Um, I don't have 101 notes. I got I got I got one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Scott, you seem to have a to have a big a, a, a big plan for this one, so I'll let you start because mine's a little more surface level.
0: Well, mine, mine is actually uh, cutting part of the premise of the movie. I think actually helps the movie, and mm-hmm. that is don't make it a movie about Cruella Deville. Mm. <laughs> like
2: it's gonna be a weird movie. Can poster <laughs> the movie
0: works if you just invent a new character, like if you create a whole new IP around this. The movie hangs on it. It's a fun movie with a bunch of heists and hijinks. It's got uh, kind of a mean character, but you can still root for her. It's got a monstrous villain. It's set in an interesting time period. It's got a banging soundtrack and lovely production design. And maybe it didn't need to be about Cruella de Vil. Maybe it could have been about some other fashion villains' rise to power. And that could have worked. And then you don't have to worry about all the baggage of hanging it on 101 Dalmatians. It's certainly
1: possible that it was, it was that, you know, like the way Hollywood works, it could have been, it could have been a script that like landed on Disney's desk. And then they looked at it and were like, Oh, you know, we could, we could slap an IP on this. And you know, it doesn't feel, it doesn't possible. feel like it's quite um, like I've, we've all seen movies that have done that and uh, uh, to lesser effect, you know? So I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's the case, but you know,
0: yeah. the, 101 Dalmatians really does feel baked into the soul of this script. We were joking uh, in our little notes to one another while we were all watching it that it felt kind of Solo-esque in that like it felt the need to explain every little bit about Cruella along the way. Um, But Liam contended that it did it better than Solo. Um, So I, I do feel it is baked in, but I'm wondering if you couldn't lift that out and tell a totally standalone story with a new character that is Cruella de Vil with the serial numbers filed off because mm-hmm. then you then you don't have the baggage of 101 Dalmatians with it. That's my thought. I don't know if that works, but that's kind of my big I, I, overarching pitch.
2: I, I think it could. Uh, and I think it could because we already said the elevator pitch for what you're suggesting when we were reading the credits. This is I, Tanya meets uh Devil Wears
0: Prada. Yeah. And um, here's the thing, if this if is I, yeah, this is Devil Wears Prada with a crowbar. Like it's, <laughs> if I didn't know that 101 Dalmatians is supposed to happen next, I would be kind of excited to see the sequel to this movie <laughs> because I kind of would like to see where this Cruella character goes next if I didn't know she then goes on to kidnap 101 puppies to murder and turn into coats. Um <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I, I guess I
1: guess I'm just having an easy time of uh, divorcing myself from that history. It just doesn't because you're not familiar think, with
0: that history.
2: No, yeah, like I, I mean, I haven't like I haven't
0: watched yeah.
1: those films,
2: so yeah. Scott, when when was the last time you watched the animated 101 Dalmatians? One year ago. Okay, that because I <laughs> I. Uh, by the sounds of it, Greg's never seen it. I definitely watched it when I was like as old as your guys'
0: kids. Like I did. Oh, I, you know. it was, it was one of my go-to Disney jams. I had it on VHS. I watched it quite a bit as a kid cause I quite liked it. Um, Honestly, I would have saw it once I have, when I was a kid and I have watched maybe. it again. I watched it shortly after I got Disney plus. So I've probably watched it twice in the last three years and Damn, it's okay. still pretty good. Um, I think that I will, explains a lot because you're-, you're... <laughs> I will contend it's not the strongest Disney movie, um, yeah. but it's very stylistic. It's fun. Cruella's a, a very good villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue like a top shelf Disney villain simply because of how completely cruel and monstrous she is. Um, and uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why this one just isn't working for me because 101 that... Dalmatians is my jam. I, th- I think we actually might have hit the hit the nail
2: on the head there, because yeah, I I you know saw it when I was a little kid to the point where I for it wasn't until about the second act of this movie where I'm like, oh, these hench she had henchmen them in the movie. Like I remember her having henchmen in the movie. Jasper, halfway, like uh, <laughs> halfway through watching this one, and it made me love them more. I'm like, oh, they did that so smooth. That's why I go back to that like Solo did it better or um Solo did it worse vibe. Is I was like. Wow, they slipped in those the justification for those um, henchmen real smooth, but I guess they didn't if you knew she had henchmen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I will, I will contend Jasper and Horace's characterizations do track more or less with the cartoon because they both I, they both yeah. uh, steal the puppies from the uh, from Anita and Roger by sneaking in, pretending to be like rat catchers or or pretending to be plumbers. I think actually. Um, it was they, literally
2: that scene where it it like I I I, I had all the memories of the yeah. animated 101 Dalmatians come flooding back to me.
0: Jasper's the smart one and Horace is the dumb one. Jasper's the one who's frequently kind of like poking holes in the plot and is kind of coming along mostly just because I assume the money. Um Horace is the one who's interested in watching TV and drinking like it it tracks. Their their characterizations <laughs> are are pretty close.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so much so it helped me remember the old one. So good good on those guys. They both crushed it.
0: I, I basically Scott's watching
1: this movie like I'm watching Star Trek Picard. <laughs> I'm just like grumpy. <laughs> I'm like, this, isn't, this isn't Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, like the, the one thing that maybe didn't entirely work was um, the sort of two-facedness of Cruella and Estella. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because it gets kind of forgotten about for a fairly long stretch. Like after you get it in the in in the sort of prologue intro, um, where we get to understand that there's some a duality to her, and then after uh, Estelle's mom dies, um, she's pretty much like a good character, like a good person. Like I mean, yeah, they're criminals, but like also like they're just kind of like doing what they need to do s- to survive, and they're criminals in sort of like a fun um more like yeah more like an ocean 11 sort of like fun way than anything else like it's it's not you don't see the bad side of estella at all uh right up it's it kind of feels like once when when she turns starts turning on the baroness for revenge and she goes like full cruella for a pretty good stretch in the film uh it kind of initially comes out of nowhere it's lots of fun to watch like she's i mean it's it's you know it's entertaining but it just feels like there needed to be uh, a little bit more hints of 20-year-old Estella having some manner of uh, you know villainy to her or at least the lilt or hints of it you know um, I
0: actually agree with that 100% Yeah Like when she's when she's working on the job and she's being belittled by that by that manager at the clothing store have her do some mean stuff like to people or have her be mean to other people at the store from time to time. Uh, Show the little hints of that. Have her occasionally snap at Jasper and Horace earlier on Mm -hmm. Um, and then back it down and be like, I'm sorry that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, But we know where it came from. It came from that, that other side of her. And then, yeah, you're right. You have the little crumbs there so that when it, she does fully take on the Cruella persona uh, to go to the fancy ball, it, it doesn't just kind of come fully formed out of nowhere after having been forgotten for like 40 minutes of movie. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like the only thing we really get is is when uh, Estella vandalizes the, the dress in the window mm-hmm. um, that leads to the Baroness taking notice of her. Um, but it doesn't track necessarily as um, an evil sort of Cruella thing to do because she's doing it, To take revenge on the stuffy, uh, clothier guy who kind of deserved it because he was being and she's drunk and she's drunk yeah and she's drunk so it's not
0: it's not there's no the malice is undercut by the fact that she's drunk when she does it Mm -hmm. if if she had done it intentionally that would be Cruella but she does it as drunken Estella
1: yeah yeah and the fact that the guy deserved it right so like there's no yeah there's no there's no malice there or anything like that
0: yeah. Well, there is malice, but it's justified malice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the good kind of malice. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, I had, I had mentioned uh minor a little more surface level. Um, I, I, I almost want to backpedal this a little bit now that I know what else this director has directed, but my main pitch for this was uh, we should have had Guy Ritchie direct it, uh, in- instead of having him do Aladdin. <laughs> um, cause he did Aladdin, uh, of this podcast. We, we covered the-, the live action Aladdin movie. Um, and I don't know why he d- wasn't very, I-, I like all, most of the Guy Ritchie stuff. Um, didn't feel it in Aladdin. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, this is, how is he not the guy that they got to do this? And then finding out they got the Itanya guy makes, makes sense. They weren't just completely like handing it out to any idiot because um, you were focusing yeah, my, on like my, the heisty
0: stuff and the and the con yeah, stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think I think giving this to, to Guy Ritchie giving it that kind of like lock stock and and snatch energy would have complemented the production design and the marketing team and the the performances that I had mentioned was having. Um, uh, yeah, just having that. And maybe just a slightly better soundtrack, like just a few less cliched choices. Um, <laughs> be a little more interesting camera stuff. Because um, it, it wanted to be, a, you know, that, that era kind of heist movie um, pretty badly that just lean into it and get, get Guy Ritchie to do it and not Aladdin. Um, which then got me thinking, and I don't know if I even believe this, Emma Thompson does a fine job. No notes for Emma Thompson. But if Guy Ritchie's directing it, what if Madonna was the Baroness? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it would be a very I, different movie. I yes,
2: any yeah, I would mean it be definitely, that different do you think?
1: The marketing would certainly be different I would imagine. Like I wonder can mm. you can you cast Madonna uh, in a in a movie and then have like would she take over first billing as the as over top of um Emma Stone? Probably. Yeah. Like I, think, no I, I think you I think you want your I think you want your biggest it star to be, top, Cruella, it'd be right? the thing where they do it last
2: and they go <clears throat> and Madonna mm-hmm.
0: like yeah that's fair
1: no I just I, yeah but I, I have a feeling that uh, you know the marketing takes on a life of its own and like you know people would you know with Madonna suddenly in this Cruella movie it might she's such a big personality it just might be hard to avoid having her kind of eat up the uh, the
0: marketing material. I also don't know that she could have done the Baroness as good as Emma Thompson could have. Emma Thompson mm-hmm. did justice to the character in a way that I don't think Madonna could have pulled off because I think when you're casting Madonna in that role, you're casting the cachet of Madonna and the Baroness becomes Madonna, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, whereas with with Emma Thompson, she's Lost a, herself an amazing character actor and she too yeah. totally loses herself. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, fair. I just thought that was when I brought up, thought a guy Ritchie. That's just what I wanted. So. <laughs> <No>, it's
0: it's <laughs> okay. an interesting uh, thought exercise, if nothing else. Yeah.
2: Well, speaking of of interesting thought exercises, I'm excited to get to our listener comments because I think we I think we put a ball on this. I like Scott's fixes. Greg had a good good note. Mine was just hey, have that guy do it. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and again, the fact is, this is another one of those movies where we went into it expecting one thing, and we all came out of it going, that actually wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with the exception of my really fundamental quibble with the movie again i did i did rather enjoy it in spite of that
1: this isn't i can't we're pretty positive on it it's not quite uh interstellar levels of positive
2: which was an episode (laughs) we basically just praised it for an hour straight and didn't do anything to it (laughs) Um, but yeah like i don't know that i would have watched this if we weren't trying to pick our 101st movie fix
0: here's the thing all three of us Really, we're not looking forward to watching this movie. Yeah, <laughs> we we agreed to do it. We agreed to do it because of the 101st movie fix thing, and we were like, "No, we we're going to lean into the bit. We're going to do this." And we all three of us came out of the movie going, "That was pretty watchable, actually." I kind <laughs> of, enjoyed funny, it. but yeah.
2: And and yeah, took a chance on something I probably would in no other scenario have ever ever watched. So, thanks, numbers.
0: Yay. Um. If Uh, nothing else, this is a tepid recommendation to check out Cruella. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And thank you, of course, to
2: our listeners um, for submitting your comments. uh, Whenever you follow us on Facebook uh, or Twitter at I Have Some Notes or on Instagram at I Have Some Notes Pod, you'll see us solicit comments just like these. Uh, Give them to us. We'll read them. We appreciate it. It's like you're here on the show with us, but you don't have to book off your night to do it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, um, I actually want to start with a with a note from friend of the show, Olev Rockney, uh who, who came in with uh probably the truest statement of them all. If you really want to expand on the 101 Dalmatian storyline, they should finally adapt the second book in the series because the, the the cartoons based on a on a book, yeah? Um The Starlight Barking. Make the movie The Starlight Barking or GTFO Disney are uh, uh so I was familiar with this um uh I'm just making sure I got my Wikipedia up here so I can not <laughs> so you can definitely do it give you the, the, not yeah it's a well. notes I was familiar with this um Olev is right it's a trip um are either of you familiar with? The plot of Starlight Barking. I, Me, obviously
0: I, not. <laughs> I am familiar with the Starlight Barking. Uh, it's been a long time since I heard a synopsis, but I know it's pretty wild. And we should definitely not assume that any of our listeners know about yes. it. <laughs> uh, so,
2: uh, basically, one day, um, uh, all the all the characters from the last book are doing doing talking dog stuff, um, and they wake up one day, and all the humans are asleep. And all of the dogs, sorry, not even all the humans, all the other animals that are not dogs. Only dogs are awake. (laughs) Everyone is sleeping permanently. Uh, The dogs also find that they can communicate via thought waves many miles away. So they now all have telepathy together. I'm going to read this fucking book. (laughs) Uh, um, And that they can also do something called a swoosh, which is move at tremendous speed over the ground. So they can literally teleport like the Flash. Um... The One of the uh, Dalmatians gets given to the Prime Minister, so he becomes the Prime Minister in absence of <laughs> the Prime Minister's asleep, as do all the cabinet members. On and on it goes. The culminate, after they go and be like, well, it's Corella did it. Corella's asleep just like everybody else. Then they run around. There's a couple cats that are awake for reasons, but for the most part, it's all dogs. All of it culminates in... Um, the uh uh, dog star god sirius uh (laughs) arriving in trafalgar square um (laughs) to ask all of the dogs to come to space with him because he's lonely uh and uh they all opt to stay with their human masters so that stray dogs can keep living the dream that one day they will find a human to love and uh sirius is like well that sucks but I get it. Okay. Bye. Uh, and then they continue to be able to whoosh and they all look, all the dogs look up at the stars.
1: <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with Olav. Yeah. <laughs> How that, <laughs> <laughs>
2: what does that Disney movie look like? <laughs> Is it a weird, like tomorrow land or like when, when Disney tries to do those like wistful child sci-fi movies? Sounds more is like it, something
1: is, like Zardoz or something like <laughs> It's just like is it says something just insane.
2: <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's fun trivia for today. So thank you, Olaf, for reminding me of that. Because, yeah, uh, incredible. And Disney are <laughs> cowards for not doing it. J.A. Sutherland says, fire. Uh, and that's in, in response to the question, how do you fix Cruella? J.A. Sutherland, fire. Yeah. We had a few of those comments. Uh, I think it's just a lot of
1: f- folks just at the outset, they, like, I think we like rejecting we the, the top, premise. Like, yeah. Just the,
0: the premise on itself was just like, mm. to, and yeah, to be fair, good. that's where I came into this movie from with a complete rejection <laughs> of the premise and my, and my fix was throw out the premise so, <laughs> so that we yeah, can enjoy so a good movie.
2: Similar comment from, uh, at Nocturne Tom Deja, uh, decide it's not a good idea and don't make it in the first place. Um, but again, I would I would then encourage you to go, you know, watch There Will Be Blood. Um, uh, movies, Brews, and Rants says, I'm going to stop you right there because Cruella with Emma Stone was glorious. This person gets it. <laughs> Give it a chance. Uh, or don't. It's a stupid Disney movie. Disney doesn't. <laughs> yeah, they don't need more I, of your money. <laughs> yeah. I watched this and then I watched Doctor Strange in the theater. And then I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp because it was the only Marvel movie I hadn't seen. And I'm like, oh, the last three movies I watched were Disney movies. I gave them all my money like an idiot. Joshkar says, if you have to make it fine, the movie is fine overall, but I changed the ending where Cruella gifts Perdita and Pongo, who are apparently siblings and destined to become doggy married, uh, to Anita and Roger respectively.
0: This person gets it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no the movie is fine this. overall, but it's the stuff that connects it to 101 Dalmatians that makes it flop. And I, I just get, get it out of there, tear it right out. And make it its own thing. And then you've got a really fun fashion villain movie.
2: Vice. That's another one. That's another movie about a bad guy you're supposed to empathize with. (laughs) Uh, Just thought of that apropos of nothing. Uh, Moving on. (laughs) Nathan Martin says, don't have Dalmatians in it. Have her still be a struggling fashion artist, and she do- just does a better job than the other fashion artists. And in the end, it comes down to a fashion show-off, and she wins it. Done. She
0: doesn't become evil until later in life. Again, fashion villain caper. Have a fashion villain caper movie. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't need to be connected to 101 Dalmatians. I do like that it gives her a reason to hate Dalmatians, though. But she has the three
2: Dalmatians at the end. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i liked how much they teased like did she make a code out of them yeah like
0: and then, and then even did.
2: when they let the audience you know they like let the audience off the hook even artie the, you get to see artie be like
0: huh
2: yeah that's pretty fun matthew d jameson says 101 i see what
0: you did there well done thank you thank we you, all matthew. take a bow <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it wasn't necessarily going to be Cruella cuz we had pitched either Cruella or the original live action 101 Dalmatians. And ultimately because Cruella was the more recent movie, we decided to to err on the side of that one. And yeah. uh yeah. Not a bad not a bad time. Yep. Yeah. Don't know if I could have said that about the live action one. Though Hugh Laurie is in it playing Jasper as I recall. And he's a delight. And that concludes our episode for the week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please uh,
2: give us a like, a review, a subscribe, a thumbs up, whatever your podcatcher of choice uh, button they offer up. A uh, click them or fill in the little text box with, text box with positive positive thoughts. Please. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you know what else is a podcast? My other podcast, The Read-Along, a mini book club for your ears. If you want to follow along a slow burn read of a novel, we just recently started Ann Tibbetts' Screams from the Void, a sci-fi horror thriller. Uh, you can check that out along with a plethora of wonderful podcasts right now at Ah, uh,
1: What will be the next movie we attempt to fix? Uh, we're going to put up a poll. So we, we will have a choice between Cloud Atlas, Wing Commander, or Live Free or Die Hard. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick.
0: I'm Scott C. Bourgeois.
1: I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies! For swooshes, I guess. <laughs>